Hi everyone, Cisco Keo here. This is Xavier. Today's scripture is Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give anything because he is his friend, yet, because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will a heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Hey everybody, I'm Josh, I'm one of the campus pastors here. And hey, thanks for having us in your home. And for all you dads out there, happy Father's Day. Cisco, who just read the passage for us, he and his wife Megan just had a little Xavier, eight-week-old Xavier. You saw him in the shot, that was pretty cool. So Cisco, welcome to the club, the dad club. Today we're going to talk about the topic of prayer. And I want you to do something for me. If you could right now think of a time that you really prayed hard about something. I mean, you really like went to God, poured out your God, poured out your heart to God about something. So think about that right now. Okay. You got that? All right. Did God answer your prayer the way you pray? I think for some of us, when we have poured out our heart to God, God has shown up in amazing ways, like miracles, and it grows our trust, and it grows our faith in God and in prayer. But I think for some of us, and probably all of us at some point, we feel like we've poured out our heart to God, and He has not come through. He has not answered our prayer, and it seems like he doesn't even hear our prayer. Well, it begs the question, okay, why does God answer some prayers and not others? Why is it that we can go to God with the same heart posture, and he answers some of our prayers, and he doesn't other prayers? Well, this is the question that Jesus addresses today in our passage. And Jesus' answer to that question is this. The reason God answers some prayers and not others is the Holy Spirit. What do you mean the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus explains his answer to that question in the passage we're looking at today. And this is a really important teaching, I think, for people who are hearing uh, this message who have felt like God has let them down. Maybe who felt like you've really brought your whole heart in prayer to God, and it seems like God did not come through. So if that's you, 
I want you to kind of open your Bibles, lean in a little extra today, because God's got something special for you from his word. So before we get into the passage today, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll jump right in. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've given us the Bible, a reliable record of your son's action, of your teaching throughout history, so that we can know you more and so that we can serve you better. Lord, would you work uh, through our minds and our hearts to give us a greater um, understanding of your character, give us a better uh, idea on how to pray the way we should pray so that your name can be made much of, that people will come to a saving faith in your son, and so that we can be the type of people that you've designed us to be. So do what only you could do this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, today we're looking at one of the instances of the Lord's Prayer. Um, We see the Lord's Prayer in Luke here in the passage today and also in Matthew. But the Luke passage is actually a short, condensed, a cliff notes version of what we see in Matthew. So the purpose of the passage today is not so much to talk to us about how to pray. It's more of the who of prayer, who God is and the character of of God and what he's done for us by giving us the Holy Spirit. So today we're not really going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. We're going to talk about the who of the Lord's Prayer, the Lord of the Prayer. Okay? So we see in the passage today that Jesus is arguing, making an argument for the character of God and how that impacts the way we pray. And he does so in a very Jewish way. So he argues uh, what the um, logicians call a fortiori, which is a Latin phrase basically meaning from lesser to greater. You see, in the Western world, and, and if you see in, in uh, law, legal books today, we start with the most convincing evidence first, and then we kind of support that uh, real convincing evidence to, to make a convincing argument. Where what Jesus does, he does that in reverse. He starts with the least convincing aspects and then brings us along the path to the greater, uh, uh, the most convincing evidence. But since we're not used to that, I want to kind of give you Jesus's big idea so that we can put a lens, a filter on how we look at the rest of this passage. So in verse 13, we see Jesus's big idea, and it is this, that the heavenly father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. This whole teaching, this whole, uh, the whole point that Jesus is trying to make is that God desires to give us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the key that unlocks prayer. It's the lens with which, with which we should see uh, the preceding verses. So go ahead and put your Holy Spirit lens on so that we can look through verses 5 through 13 and really get a clear picture of what Jesus is trying to tell us. Well, that uh, the question then is, well, if the Holy Spirit is the lens with which we need to uh, look at this passage, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, uh, the New City Catechism, is a, it's a teaching tool that my wife uses with our kids. It, it's, a, it's a really great tool to understand Christian theology real condensed. Well, the question it poses is this. What do we believe about the Holy Spirit? 
The answer is that he is God, co-eternal with the Father and the Son, and that God grants him irrevocably to all who believe. Okay, well, how does the Holy Spirit help us? Well, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin, comforts us, guides us, give us spiritual gifts, and the desire to obey God. And here's the key for our our time today. He enables us to pray and to understand God's word. Okay, so now we know who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does. Let's look at this passage and see how the person of the Holy Spirit and God's character changes the way that we pray. And look with me, chapter 11, verse 5. Verse 5. Then he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will get up, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs." So Jesus' culture and the culture of his hearers were in an honor-based culture where hospitality is extraordinarily important in first century Judaism. So the scene is this. A man has a friend arrive from a far-off country late at night, right? He doesn't text. He doesn't let him know he's coming. He just arrives. And his friend who has come is starving. He's hungry. But the friend, um, the, the man, the main character of the story doesn't have any food, doesn't have any bread. So what he does, he goes to his friend, a different friend, his neighbor, and says, knocks on the door. Hey, I know it's late. It's midnight. But a friend of mine has come. I have nothing to provide for him. Would you lend me three loaves? Now, this is probably a common scene in this day. It's often a practice to share resources, share food. Oh, yeah, you know, you can get me back another day or whatever. Well, this friend won't open the door. He goes, I'm all tucked in bed. My kids are all tucked in bed. Don't, don't bother me. But the, this uh, main character keeps knocking on the door, and finally his friend opens up. Well, Jesus asked this question. Can you imagine a friend that would do this? And in this culture, everyone would say, no way. No friend would be unwilling to provide three loaves uh, to their friend. Now, now this word friend, it's not a word for acquaintance. It's not a word for a buddy or a neighbor. It comes from the Greek word phileo, which means the one I love. Everyone hearing this story knows a true friend is going to provide for the needs of their friend. So Jesus then applies that to our mind and our heart. And he says, tells me in this in verse 9, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What Jesus is saying is this. If you can't imagine a friend 
who would be unwilling to provide for your needs in a moment of distress and of need. How much more is God eager to meet your needs when you go to him in prayer? If your friend has the character, because he's your friend, to give you three loaves when you need it, how much more God our Father, who would be eager to meet your needs when you ask. So what Jesus does, he invites his hearers. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. See, God desires to meet our needs. God desires to meet us in our moments of weakness, meet us in our moments of vulnerability, meet us where we have need. He eagerly desires for that. But we just have to ask him. We have to come to him. We have to seek him. We have to knock and say, God, this is what's going on in my life. This is what's going on in my family's life. Would you meet my need? Because we serve a God who is eager to meet our needs. You know, you may have heard uh, verse 9. Maybe you're new to the Christian faith. Maybe you're still exploring the Christian faith. And, but maybe you've heard verse 9. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. I know that was one of the, the uh, early Bible verses that I was taught when I was a child. But as I grew older, and I began to think about this verse, and I don't know about you, maybe you don't experience this, but for me, I feel like when I read this verse, two questions pop into my mind. One question is philosophical, and one question is personal. First, that philosophical question goes something like this. Well, if God knows everything, then, then he already knows my need. Why do I have to ask him to meet my need? That's that philosophical question. I want to address that. And, but I think the second question is a personal question. It goes something like this. I've asked for a lot of things that I've never received. I feel like God doesn't hear my prayers. Or sometimes God doesn't hear certain prayers and he hears others. Well, we're not going to address the personal question right now. We're going to wait till verse 13. But I do want to maybe not answer, but address that philosophical question. Well, if God knows everything, then he knows my need. And if he knows my need, why do I have to ask him to meet my need? Let me kind of frame it up like this. So I'm a morning person. So I make most of the breakfast, or at least a lot of the breakfast for our five-year-old, our three-year-old, and our one-year-old. And my three-year-old daughter, Rebecca, she's usually the one who wakes up first and uh, comes stumbling downstairs in her, you know, her Elsa PJs. Now, if she came down the stairs and walked straight to the dining room and sat in her chair at the kitchen table and just sat there and just kind of stared at me. Or maybe sat there and kind of, you know, wrapped her fingers against the table. I know that she's hungry. She's hungry every morning. That's why we make breakfast. I know what her need is, but as the father, I want her to ask me to meet her need. And why is that? Two reasons. 
first is that I want her, I want our relationship to deepen. I want to strengthen the relational bond. You see, when every morning my daughter asks for breakfast and I eagerly and happily provide for her breakfast, well, what that does is it strengthens that bond with us so that later in life she begins to trust me and know, you know what, when I ask dad for something, he provides for me. So when her, she asks for breakfast, first thing it does, it, it strengthens the relational bond. The second thing it does is it... You see, I love my daughter. She's wonderful. She's special. But if I allow her, she will begin to believe that the whole family and the whole world revolves around her. Now, we love, my wife Deborah and I love our children equally. But in order to love our children equally, we can't let the family revolve around one child. So when she asks me, it reminds her that daddy's in control, daddy provides, daddy is the one that can, that can and will provide for your need, but you have to know that the world doesn't revolve around you. I think God is doing that, even though he knows our need, but when we ask him to provide for our need, he is eager to meet that need, but when we ask, that strengthens our bond with our Heavenly Father, and it also puts our hearts in a humble posture before Him, knowing that God is the one who's in control. God is the one who provides for our needs. So that might not completely answer all of those philosophical questions, but I know for me, it helps me understand why God would, would even though He knows everything, ask us to ask for our needs to be met. All right, well, let's move to the second question that Jesus poses. It's the, a question regarding what father? Look with me at verse 11. It says this, What father among you, or can you imagine a father, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? So Jesus poses this second question. Can you imagine a father who would do these terrible things? Like, I can't, like I can't imagine, uh, as a father of three, not merely hurting my children, but doing to hurt, but hurting them in such a vindictive way. Hey, Dad, can I have a bite of fish? Give them a snake. Hey, Dad, can I have an egg? And give them a scorpion, something that's dangerous, that will harm them. There's this ironic, twisted uh, uh, question. Like, what, what father would be so twisted in his abuse of his children? Well, the answer, of course, is, well, no good father. Not even an okay father. Only the worst father would do such a thing. Well, how does Jesus respond? Verse 13. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You, know, you can really assess the virtue of a father by the gifts that he gives. Every one of us are recipients 
of a legacy from our fathers or our grandfathers or our great-grandfathers. This is, these gifts that our fathers and our great-grandfathers give, the, the attention, the affection, its provision, its direction. And depending on the quality of the gift, that is really how we assess the quality of the father. So what Jesus is saying is us fathers, look, I know, I, I, I would not want every parenting moment as a father replayed for you to see. There are parenting moments that I wish I could delete. So I recognize, and I hope you do too, Dad, is if you look deep down, you will too, recognize that we want to do our best. We try hard, but we're broken. When Jesus says, you fathers who are evil know how to give good gifts, we're evil in the sense that we're like an arrow with a bent shaft. No matter how hard you aim, no matter how great your precision, we will always veer toward evil, toward selfishness, toward laziness, toward self-centeredness. That's just because we have sin that, that exists in our minds, our hearts, and our bodies. But we know how to give good gifts. We know how to provide for our children. We know what they would enjoy and benefit from and what they wouldn't. And Jesus applies that truth to our Heavenly Father. If you fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more your Heavenly Father and what does he do? He says, how much more your, will the heavenly father give? What's that good gift? It's the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. The Holy Spirit is the greatest gift we could ever be given. The Holy Spirit is the third person of Trinity. It's God himself given to us in our hearts to live inside us. You see, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we could, when we confess our sins, ask Jesus to forgive us our sins, purify us from all unrighteousness, he does that by giving us the Holy Spirit. It's what we call the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So God gives us himself to change our hearts, change our minds, restore our families, restore our communities. And that is our greatest need. We may need, we may think we need this health. We may think we need a spouse. We may think we need a child. We may think we need some change in our circumstance. But deep down, the foundational truth that we need is God in his presence in our lives every moment of the day for as long as we live and for eternity. And that's the gift that God gives us through his son, Jesus Christ. You see, when we get to those moments, we're like, God, I want these good things. We talk, I spoke to a good friend this past week who was many, many years sober and through coronavirus, he fell. I've talked to another couple who are deeply desiring children, but they're struggling with infertility. We've talked to friends who are struggling with mental illness, with a breaking down body, with bodies that are failing them. All these issues that are problems that God cares about them, and they're very important, and we need to go to him in prayer about it. But the thing we need the most 
is God. And that's what he offers us through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that brings us to that personal question. God, why do you meet some, why do you meet some needs? Why do you answer some prayers and not others? And this is hard. I think this is hard for me. I think it's going to be hard for you. We have to remind ourselves that he is our heavenly father and we are his children. And just like I know what's going to be good for my children, even though they really think they know what's good for them, ultimately as children, we have to trust in God's wisdom, trust in God's care, trust in God's guidance, even on some of the most difficult things that we deal with. God could withhold a good thing from us to get the best thing for us. We don't always see the beginning from the end. And that's why when we struggle with God, why aren't you meeting this need? We must look past the need onto the gift. You see, in order to receive the Holy Spirit, in order for God to give the Holy Spirit, that greatest gift, God gave that gift at the greatest cost. You see, in order for us to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, God the Father had to give us his son. He had to give us his son to die on the cross for our sins so that through the forgiveness of sins, he could give us forgiveness. He could purify our hearts so that, he, we, the, so that the Holy Spirit could enter in and begin to change us from the inside out. So anytime we begin to question God's character in one area or another, when he doesn't seem to meet our, our, our need, the need that we think, we have to look past our need to the price that God paid to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And though we may not know exactly why we don't receive what we've been praying for, we know that our Father is a loving Father. He's a good gift, and we can, He's a good gift giver, and we can trust Him to never give us a snake or a scorpion, even when we ask for it. That's hard. I don't want to pretend like, oh, oh yeah, no, no biggie. I'll just trust God. But through the Holy Spirit, we can get to a place where we begin to thank God. God, thank you for withholding from me the things I pray for. And when you get to that place, your heart opens up to a new level of trust and faith and love in God, our Heavenly Father. You know, maybe you've experienced a loss or a lack and you've prayed and you just feel like God didn't show up. And maybe that's the reason that you currently aren't following Jesus right now. And maybe you've never actually put your faith and trust in Jesus. Or maybe you've turned away for a long season of life and you're ready to come back. We want to walk with you through those, that season of life. Whether it's coming to faith for the first time or renewing your faith in Jesus. If you want uh, to uh, have a pastor or a ministry leader contact you to help you through those steps... 
text the Jesus to the number on the screen. And we would love to follow up with you and help you grow in your new life in Christ, whether it's a brand new life or a renewed life where you're coming back to faith. So just text Jesus to the number on the bottom of the screen, and we would love to follow up with you. All right, well, what do we do with what we've learned today about God as our Heavenly Father giving us the greatest gift of the Holy Spirit? And then that helps us to pray and to reorient our minds and our hearts about what, um, what we truly, uh, how we should truly follow along in, in prayer and in, in, in seeking, asking, and knocking. Well, for the rest of our time, I want to walk us through two uh, spirals. We're calling it the victorious spiral and the vicious spiral. You see, in prayer, there are two feedback loops that we can be part of that can either spiral us up in victory and love and strength and patience and compassion, or it could spiral us down toward self-pity, self-loathing, self-centeredness. So I want to walk us through these, and you'll see uh, the graphic on the screen to help you visualize this. So I want to talk about the victorious spiral. So when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you ask him to fill you, to indwell you with the Holy Spirit, what happens is when we receive the Holy Spirit, our hearts are changed from serving ourselves to serving others and to serving, ultimately, to serving God. When we receive the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, we desire to serve God. And when we desire to serve God, we begin to ask for his power and his provision in prayer. We ask for our neighbors to know, come to faith in Christ. We pray for uh, those that we know who are going through difficult situations. We ask for strength to overcome addiction and adversity. And when we ask God in prayer... God provides. It's amazing. When we diligently ask things, not for ourselves, but for God and for others, God provides for our needs. And when God provides for our needs, the greatest need we have is the filling of the Holy Spirit. So God fills us with, Holy, with his Holy Spirit. We have a greater desire to serve God. When we have a greater desire to serve God, we ask for great things, for big things from God in prayer. When we do that, he provides for our needs. When he provides for our needs, we're filled by the Spirit, and it spirals upwards and upwards and upwards. And we become the people God designed us to be, totally transformed. Now, that's the victorious cycle, but I too often we find ourselves in a vicious cycle. Now, I don't know how it starts. It starts in various ways. But what happens is we stop asking God in prayer. We stop going to God in prayer. And the result is that we lack provision from God. And when we lack provision from God, the greatest provision we can receive from God is the filling of the Holy Spirit. So we have no filling of the Holy Spirit. We have no filling of the Holy Spirit. We begin to question God's character. When we question God's character, we stop asking for things in prayer. When we stop asking for things in prayer, we lack provision, no filling of the Spirit. We question God's character, and we spiral downward. So where do you find yourself? Do you find yourself in the victorious spiral or the vicious spiral? Well, I think if if you're like me, sometimes we can jump between them and kind of go up and down, up and down. 
Well, how do, if, say you're in the vicious spiral, how do you get out of it? You get out of it by reminding yourself of the great cost with which God gave, the great cost with which the Holy Spirit was given to us, and that's the death of Jesus on the cross. You see, the, the way to get out of our selfishness and the great way to get out of our self-focusedness is not to pray for things about us, it's to pray for more of God's presence. It's to look and remind ourselves of what God has done in our lives and the great gift of his son, Jesus Christ, so that we can turn our eyes from ourselves onto Christ, the giver of salvation. And, and through that, we enter back into that victorious spiral where we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, maybe during this message today, you've realized that I've never experienced the Holy Spirit in my life. And I want to once again invite you to a relationship with Jesus Christ, to confess your sins to Jesus. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I trust in you. I trust that you died and rose again for my salvation. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. If you do that, text the number or text the name Jesus to the number below. And we want to follow up with you and give you some resources how to grow in your new life in Christ. All right, well, I want to pray for, our t- uh, for, for um, the conclusion here. And I want to pray for you. And then we're going to have the worship team come up in a minute. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you desire to meet our need. You desire to give us a good gift. And you've given us the greatest gift, which is the Holy Spirit through your Son. Lord, may we be filled by the Holy Spirit daily. May we be changed in every way to know you and be a servant of you and also serve our neighbor, to love you and love our neighbor as ourselves. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, in a moment, the worship team's going to come up uh, and share with us another song. But this is the time in our service that we would collect tithes and offerings. So I'd want to encourage you to go to cvconline.org slash give and give as the Lord leads. We want to say thank you so much for the generosity that you have shown through, through this strange season. Know that every time you give, the, minist- the, the financial resources you give goes to support not only CVC, but ministries throughout the region and throughout the world. So thank you so much for your generosity, and hopefully we'll see you soon.